Good day, this is Shane Hasty for the InfoQ Culture Podcast. I'm in Wellington, New Zealand, and I'm with Colart Miles. Colart is a, uh, an innovation consultant, uh, runs startup weekends, and is leading organizations through transformation towards more innovative cultures. Colart, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks for having me, Shane. Um, I've given that very brief overview. Would you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Oh, yes, of course. Um, so I think it, it probably started uh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. I uh, was born and raised in South Africa, um, served in the South African military, and found myself um, volunteering for the submarine service. And while I was there, I got to thinking about how teams work together. Um, I, get, I was given basically the privilege of having an, a, a culture experience that is uh, afforded to few. Uh, being on a submarine is very different to being on a normal uh, sort of Navy ship, if you know anything about militaries. Um, you know, there's, there's a sort of rank and file divisional system, officers, uh, you know, soldiers, that sort of thing in the, in the, in the setting. I hope I'm painting a picture um, where you kind of have your job, but pretty much your day is defined by what you get told to do. Um, on a submarine, it's very different. Um, you uh, are sparked, you, your learning journey is sparked from the earliest stage. You want to get better and more useful and more integrated with the system. Um, you, want to, um, you want to fold in, you want to build the culture. You start to tune in to what the rules of, of engagement are. Um, so, you know, you very quickly learn that your rank doesn't mean much. It's how much um, value you bring uh, to the conversation, how competent you can, uh, you are. Uh, so how curious and how willing you are to learn and, and do the hard yards to, to kind of build up your credentials. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I think in, in that environment, I have to, on reflection, look at the massive learning element. Learning becomes incredibly important. Um, and that creates a different type of mentality. Uh, very, uh, 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 I want to say elitist, but not in the sense of like royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more in the um, pursuit of excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the submarine flotilla, in, in a sense, became quite committed to, to building excellence into what they did, uh, building excellence into how they worked, building excellence into, um, into the culture. Uh, and they're very, we're very, very proud of that, and it's a, it's a legacy that's uh, that's quite positive. Um, so that's a kind of early uh, uh, set me on a course, mm-hmm. which later became the UK for ten years, working with big corporates. I completed a computer science degree um, in England and got to thinking about um, how uh, organisations can better adopt technologies and why is it that it seemed to make sense in a classroom or in a simulation but it didn't seem to transfer into business, into organizations that I knew of at that stage. So I became very curious about the role that, um, that technologies play in the general running of businesses. And I became quite fascinated with business design, uh, uh, which I'm calling it now, but at the time it was more systems analysis, business analysis, that sort of thing. Uh, worked with some pretty big corporates in the UK. Um, and once again, you know, uh, curious and tuned in to the people and process aspects. Um, of the cultures that you work in and you realize very quickly there are pretty awesome cultures to be in and then there are not so awesome cultures and then there's all sorts of ones in between. Um, so you, you kind of start to get a bit of a palette. Um, my journey brought me to, to New Zealand about eight years ago and um, started working in the financial sector um, and I think at that point um, I had been 
a scrum uh, practitioner for about three or four years in the UK and was seeking those sort of opportunities to find uh, find uh, traction with that here in, in New Zealand. Um, yeah, so I hope that, that sort of answers yeah. the question, paints a picture of the journey to get here. <laughs> Great. And what are some of the things that you're doing in that um, guiding innovation? And, and I'd particularly like at some point to talk about the Startup Weekend stuff you're doing as well. Yes, no, I'm, gla- I'm glad you asked. So, so I think with this, you start to spend enough time with corporates, um, you, you start to get pretty clear that there are limits to the way things are going. So this sort of idea that what got us here is not going to get us there. Um, and that created a, a, a curiosity um, around, well, where else is the action happening? Um, and about eight years ago or so, you, I was starting to play with founding my own um, startups. Um, so, you know, getting together with a few friends that had requisite skill sets and starting to, uh, you know, play that part of, like, what, what would it take to get an idea uh, into the market? And playing around with those formulas, very amateur hour, very sort of hobbyist, alongside your day job sort of stuff. Um, and at that point became, you know, just sort of iterated on it, you know, tried, failed, learned something, tried, failed, learned something. Um, at that stage, uh, a friend of mine um, mentioned Startup Weekend. And Startup Weekend is a volunteer run um, organization now, but at that time it was um, enthusiasts, entrepreneur and startup enthusiasts. Um, that had uh, become frustrated with the normal traditional cycle of running of getting ideas to market, uh, which at the time in the sort of if anyone has tried this in the 2000s and the and the noughties, uh, so the the 90s and the noughties, um, it, it's a it's a big deal and there's a lot of risk uh, that you that you take on, and it uh, yeah so so getting an idea to market is very expensive and risky at that stage and so there's a, a fringe group that were trying to find a better way to do this. And they said, well, you know, there's actually a, a set of skills in here um, that, you know, we'd like to apply. But then because we're learning about it and we want to help others learn about it, let's create a weekend experience where we get together and just, just the idea is not the important part. It's the process for bringing the idea up that becomes the emphasis. And so they just uh, kind of got together, turned out a weekend was a good format and startup weekends were born. Um, so at this stage, I think the last count was 160 countries that it's active in. Um, uh, somewhere near half a million people have been through a startup weekend somewhere in the world. Um, so it's, it's one of those sort of exponential movements that's moved up. Um, New Zealand enjoys um, the, the highest uh, startup weekends per capita. And so ev- just about every regional town has access not too far from a startup weekend that's run periodically. Um, Auckland and Wellington run twice a year, mm-hmm. and we ran one recently. Um, it's a volunteer run, so it's people that are passionate about supporting startups and supporting entrepreneurship. Um, we're also uh, the big why, and that's probably important to kind of land this, is that you know humanity is facing some grand challenges. Um, that are no doubt need no need to mention too many of them here. You can use your imagination, but you know, uh, climate change, financial system, um, the stresses that are and strains that are on our current system are really showing up, and it uh, it becomes uh, more important now than ever to be scouting out different futures ahead. Um, and we see the most of the volunteers that our, our sort of call calling to this particular um, thing is to get glimpses of that possible future now to build resilience in our problem-solving community 
uh, entrepreneurs is just another way of saying problem solvers. Um, and yeah, and just to get those skills out into the open and build our talent pool and build our, our capability base in the society that we're in. So what are some of the, the key elements of, of a startup weekend? What does it look like? What's it feel like? What happens? Yes. That's exciting. So, so the short answer is um, it's a weekend format. starts on a Friday night. You come in, you pitch an idea, you try to recruit a team and rally around a team. Um, so you either have your idea have a team or you go and join someone else's team. Um, you execute on that idea as fast as you can until you run out of time. On a Sunday night, we gather a massive audience and a panel of judges and you pitch your heart out. Uh, to the friendliest audience around um, and you get uh, we typically get around 54 hours of work from the Friday night through to the Sunday so they're incredibly long hours long days but the time goes very fast because you're in a supported environment uh, so that's the other thing to mention is that um, all of this is carried out in a central sort of place typically we use um, university halls um, we're supported by various co-working spaces occasionally, um, so it really does bring the community, the innovation community, out uh, to play. Okay, so what sort of guidance would be given to a, a potential entrepreneur? Uh, it's it, it's pretty it's pretty special. So so again, like we're volunteers, but the, what that means is you get real passionate pr- practitioners that come out of the woodwork and really want to put something back. So typically, we'll get successful entrepreneurs who have traction and that have a few runs on the board, they can come back into the mix and pay their, their ideas forward or their, their uh, guidance uh, sort of forward. Um, we'll have uh, particular uh, capabilities in the room, so like law, uh, you know, have a law, lawyer talk about or uh, give advice around IP and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, the makeup of the team that supports a startup weekend typically is a uh, amazing organizing team because there's a lot of moving parts we've got a pretty tried and tested formula for holding one of these so getting the venue sorted getting food and hospitality so you're fed and watered and you're, you're kind of kept in this uh, in in this sort of a hothouse mm-hmm. uh, this cooker <laughs> kind of get stuff done and then you've got a team of mentors which is the interface with the you know uh, seasoned entrepreneurs that come back and they want to give something back. Um, occasionally we get uh, angel, angel investors or people from the investment community so they can get to interact with the early stage ideas and mainly also as an opportunity to get to see who's actually playing in that space and who's the, who are the movers, uh, which entrepreneurs there are to watch, uh, which is a very good uh, idea. Um, yeah, and like I said, you know, you get the odd accountant or lawyer or that sort of thing. They can bring some of that advice because uh, very often these ideas don't make it all the way because they're missing some fundamental aspect. Um, so those mentors are present for the whole weekend and they help the teams go through a particular journey. Um, there's a facilitator um, who tends to hold the whole event and, um, and then you've got your judges which come in on a Sunday night. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the um, some of the tools that we use? Yeah, please. Um, so, so these are tools that um, there's sort of three or four lightweight things mm-hmm. that we get into into action pretty quickly because there's no real time to learn. You're in execution mode. Mm-hmm. So this is the th- this is the kind of the insight for this. Is a typical startup weekend is there's no time to learn. You just got to do. Mm-hmm. But by the way. Everything you're doing, you're learning. <laughs> it's a it's a learn by doing, and it's a high pressure learn by doing environment. So anyway, so the so the three or four tools worth mentioning is one is the lean canvas, 
Um, so this is becoming increasingly popular around the traps, but um, we put it to use in, in anger as it becomes one of the central tools um, for the team to get them through to the whole weekend. Um, and, you know, if you're in a corporate and you've heard this word before, uh, Lean Canvas, or you've even seen one, or you've gone as far as watching the YouTube clip or downloading the template and whatnot, there is no substitute to working through the Lean Canvas and then trying to get an idea up and running and adapting your Lean Canvas as you go. You, you walk away with a totally different depth of understanding of how it actually works and why it, it holds together so well. So there's Lean Canvas is one. A couple of others are things like the Kanban board. Um, and we have judging criteria. It's a very simple um, simple framework. It's a kind of tripod framework. Um, yeah, so I hope that sort of helps. Yeah, very much so. So you also work with organizations bringing these innovative ideas internal to the uh, organizations, both large and small. How do you translate innovation or you how do you bring innovation into a a large bank excellent yeah no it's a great question and quite a, a relevant one I suppose <laughs> having we've got a, a banking client here in Asia Pacific um, so I, th- I guess the short answer is um, the the platform has to be heating up or burning <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there has to be a desire to change and a, a need and and unfortunately uh, well, actually, I don't want to say fortunately or unfortunately because it just is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the realization is starting to grow amongst executives in different comp- in companies around the ecosystem. That we need to change. We need to innovate. Um, and very, very often the question is how. How are we going to make, get, make this manifest in our business? And businesses are in different states, right? They can be um, under duress. They could be currently disrupted, um, or they are seeing the early signs of disruption. Um, so very often, these are kind of playing into the dynamics of whether whether this will stand a chance. So, so for innovation to stand a chance in a business, um, you know, there's probably a couple of things uh, to kind of look at. Ideally, you you need the capacity to learn. So you need to find some traction point in the business. Um, so one of the ways that we help businesses understand that is to uh, really kind of differentiate between what's your core business and your core business operation. Call that the exploit mechanism. So this is like you're exploiting your, your, your you know, you're, you're basically running your business, you're executing. Um, and then there's the explore mechanism. So what part of your business system is truly trying to learn about your context, your customers, the customer experience and that sort of thing. And if you haven't got that present in the ex- execute in the execution part in your engine, um, then you need to create capacity for that to happen. Um, and there's different strategies around that. So so I think the the ideal thing for me is kind of find and land that there is a difference between execution and exploration and finding that way. And then this is where things like Startup Weekend formats can benefit because the mental models, the frameworks um, can be brought close to an organization. So we typically try to encourage our clients to sponsor events like that. They can get close to the um, sort of startup entrepreneurial community. Um, They can also see the models in action in a different context outside of their building, um, which is often a bias that you find with innovation is, you know, we're seeing the world through the inside of our building looking out, and that's not necessarily how your customers see the world. 
Um, so that's a bit of an insight as to how do you get that company to think from outside and then work their way back into the building. So these become opportunities. And then, you know, you, you, you're encouraging the business to adopt that exploration, build the exploration cap- capability. There are different ways to do that. And typically what we do is find a small coalition of misfits that want to see something change and empower them. Um, uh, seek to get uh, executive air cover, so you will engage the executives typically, and like, look, this is why it makes sense. This is, you know, how to manage the risk on it, and create a context around that for that to happen, and then mobilise a, a little coalition, a little a little squad that can actually go and act on this stuff. Um, and yeah, we're enjoying pretty pretty amazing um, culture shifts out of that because it also then starts to say. You know, our, our company has permission to learn, mm-hmm. you know, and we've got a set of tools and techniques to help us, you know, that we can do that. You know? So what is the culture shift that's needed? I think um, John Hagel sort of framed it best for me as the shift from scaled efficiency to scaled learning. You know, everyone has a responsibility. If you're in an organization, everyone should be learning. Everyone should be sensing their environment and understanding that things could be different you know and that's I think that 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 to me is uh, is the big pattern shift um, so then uh, culture then starts to pull in and value learning um, and you know we're seeing the the kind of some of the things you need to step away from are you know the kind of failure mentality um, or that failure is bad the stigma around failure you've got to shift those conversations because with that comes the uh, people are reluctant to fail, mm-hmm. and so the stakes get higher and higher and higher, and the cost of failure becomes incredibly high. Mm-hmm. Whereas if failure is actually learning, so some context we call it learnings, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Then you're, you're now leaning into learning, right? So try it on a small scale, stakes are low, um, you can see the edges of the experiment, understand the results, work your way through until you get a repeatable result that you want, uh, and then from that you integrate. Uh, back into the bigger beast, you know. So there's an old question for that. Uh, when's the best time to test an aeroplane wing design? Not in the air with 300 passengers. <laughs> Under controlled circumstances, you know, where the stakes are much more in your favour. In the wind tunnel. <laughs> in the wind tunnel, yes. Learn a few things and then apply that, you know. Like, okay. And so, yeah, so that's a, a good example of how that would work. So thinking about the InfoQ audience... We're a reasonably technical bunch, um, engaged with at the, at the hard end of technology. What advice, what maybe three ideas can you give to the, uh, the, the person listening to this podcast who wants to shift the needle in their organization? Oh, three ideas. I'd have to draw them from the startup community. Uh, they have they tend to be lightweight and, and easy to deploy. But I'd say the first one is probably um, using the lean canvas to frame up any big changes or decisions that you have. So if you're looking facing a technical step, uh, whether it's extending your product set, your feature set, um, or generating a whole new product um, or feature set, I would suggest um, looking at that through the frame of a lean canvas. Um, you know, there are many resources on how to get started with that. Find someone who knows about it, or who has used it, um, you know, who's fluent in its use. It takes 10 minutes and will help you see 
your product or feature set through new eyes. Who's it for? What problem does it solve? You know, how are they actually going to get the value from that? Uh, what will it cost? What will it make? And that sort of things. So this is kind of really good structure of questions as a constellation to keep around any changes that you plan to make. Uh, so that's the first one. I think the second one would have to be adopt an experiment mindset. Um, so, so this is often uh, we make we sometimes fall victim to making big commitments based on assumptions. Um, so uh, this is partly why uh, Lean Canvas works so well, as it exposes the assumptions that you're basing your big change on. And, um, and so if you have an experiment mindset, um, you would lean into a big change and say, what's the smallest piece that we could bite off to learn the most about whether our assumptions are right or not? Um, so in, in another way of framing this would be to say, solve your problems in chunks, not steps. All right, so there's the kind of step one, step two, step three, and then ah, we get the value and the result, and we find out then whether this thing made sense or not, or it hit the assumptions or not, um, or build a little chunk and use that, deploy that, and see if that actually made a difference. That the difference that you think it needs to make, and where, whether it matters. Um, so lean canvas, experiment early and often, and I also think you need to potentially just look at how you frame um, failure. Uh, and how that word actually plays out. Uh, very often we create high-performance engineering environments. Um, we have a tendency uh, to avoid risk, to lean away from it, because of the repercussions and the sort of the, the, the kind of aftermaths that tend to come with that sort of thing. And under the right circumstances, I think those are, are kind of valid often, valid thoughts. Um, however, is there a way, if you framed it as an experiment, um, you need to find a way to adjust that narrative around failure, turn it into learnings. Uh, and that's vital because um, that's one of the most effective ways to just bring down the cost of failure. Um, so just kind of, if you remember nothing else, it's cost of failure goes up if you avoid it. <laughs> cost of failure goes down if you lean into it. Cool. Colin, thanks very much for taking the time. If the audience want to get hold of you, where do they find you? Ah, you can find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at Collart, nice and simple. Um, or you could find the, find us at our website, uh, veloxinnovation.com. Thanks very much. Thank you, Shane.